and welcome to the latest episode of Energy and Utilities Market Talk podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Vika Spansa, Country Head of Europe and International Head of Business Development at Sterling & Wilson. I'm sure many of you will know Sterling & Wilson, which is one of the world's largest EPC providers for the solar sector. Welcome, Vikas. Many thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Last year has, was obviously a very interesting year, a difficult year for all of us and for the business sectors in general. But the energy sector, due to the vital nature of energy, has remained active. And particularly in, in the solar sector, we have seen progress made with projects. It's probably the most active sector for projects, certainly in the Middle East and North Africa. So thank you for joining us today. I think just to start, if you could tell us a little bit about Sterling and Wilson and also some of your projects in the Middle East region. Sterling and Wilson is a 90-year-old company. In 1920s, it started in the Middle East as Wilson Electric. From about 1920 to 1970, primarily Wilson Electric was focused in Middle East, Oman, parts of UAE. And only in 1970, when now parent company of Sterling and Wilson, which is Shapurji Polanji, again, Shapurji Polanji is a 150-year-old Indian conglomerate, very, very active in India, as well as one of the largest construction companies in Middle East as well. So 1971, they took a large stake in Wilson Electric, renamed the company as Sterling and Wilson. And that's how the headquarters from at least they were shifted to Mumbai in India. From about 1970 to about 2000, Sterling and Wilson primarily worked with Jipolongi, which was into real estate, civil engineering, and civil engineering projects. And Sterling and Wilson provided the electrical part of the services to them. 2000 was a time when Sterling and Wilson started adding a lot of new verticals and it also started adding more capabilities to its existing electrical vertical. So within electrical vertical, it went into HVAC, plumbing, firefighting and became one of the only company in India which offered MEP services. And on a horizontal level, it added transmission and distribution capabilities. It added capabilities on gas and diesel genset assembly. Along with that, slowly it added capabilities on data centers and other divisions. And you will be surprised by some of the numbers I'll share with you. So by the end of 2000, in terms of revenue, Sterling and Wilson was doing one and a half million dollars of revenue. You know, it was a small company. And within a span of 10 years, in 2010, it was doing almost 150 millions of revenue. So from 2000 to 2010, company saw a huge hockeystick growth in its revenues and in between there was a private equity infusion from Goldman Sachs in 2007. 2010 was the time when India was starting to see a bit of solar. There were new programs announced in India under the National Solar Mission and that was the time when Sterling and Wilson stumbled upon a few projects. The sector was new to everybody and there were very very few companies who actually knew solar Sterling and Wilson, since it was already working in transmission and distribution, it, it was already working on the electrical side. It took a few projects and that was the time, 2011, when I also joined the company. I was among the first few people 
you know, who had the honor and privilege to join the team. And that was the time when we started becoming growing in India, 2011 to 2014. We became one of the largest solar EPCs in India. The market also grew, obviously. And 2015, it was the time when we decided to go international. We had a hypothesis. We thought we are bankable. Our parent company is very, very bankable. We know solar since we have built plants in India. We were based at a low-cost location, which had a lot of talent. And with this hypothesis, we started exploring the markets outside. 2014 to 2020, we became one of the largest solar EPCs in the world. 2018, we were the largest as per IHS. 2019, we were fourth largest you know, as per IHS. As we speak, uh, we are a public listed company. We are building solar plants of the tune of 10 gigawatts. We have got almost 8 gigawatts under uh, operation and maintenance, which is also a very, very important business line. And as we speak, we are present in Australia, where we are the largest solar EPC. We are present in US, Europe, Latin America. I would say if you leave China, Japan out, we would have interest in almost all of the markets. It has been a ride. We have obviously seen ups and downs. But by and large, it has been a satisfying journey till now. But obviously, the way the markets are growing, our aspirations are to grow even bigger and do more megawatts and more plants across the globe. Hey, thank you. That was new to me about the history of Wilson Electric in the Middle East. That was fascinating. And the decision to move into solar meant Sterling and Wilson was ready when solar energy really took off. So. I've been in the Middle East since 2010. And I remember when solar projects started, so there was the, the Mazdar project in Abu Dhabi, the 100 megawatts CSP project. And then I remember when Dubai had its first project was an EPC project, 10 or 12 megawatts. I remember when solar started, there was a lot of talk and discussion, but it wasn't really until 2015 when the market really started here, really kicked off. And that was interesting. You said 2015 is when Sterling and Wilson went international. So it was great that the company was ready for the start of the solar boom. Maybe now talk about a few of your projects locally within the Middle East region, because you've been involved in some of the largest ones, haven't you? Absolutely, Andrew. We have built plants in Morocco. We were the first EPC with along with Aqua which was the plant owner. We built around 175 megawatts spread across three plants and spread across the entire country in Morocco. After that, we started building around 300 megawatts in Egypt in the Binban solar complex. And in parallel, we also bagged then the largest plant in the world, which is 1177 megawatt in Abu Dhabi. And in parallel, we built plants in Jordan, Oman. So put together, our MENA portfolio would be around 2,200 megawatts. And as we speak, we are building one plant of 60 megawatt in Jordan. And we will be starting construction of one large plant in Egypt very, very soon. So I guess by the end of this year, our portfolio would be around 2,500 megawatts which would be an EPC portfolio, and in terms of O&M, would be more than 1,500 megawatts. Till now, we are one of the largest players in the uh, Middle East. It has been a lot of learning building these plants in the uh, Middle East, and the kind of growth the region has seen over the last 
Five year is absolutely great. We feel, and we will talk more about it. We feel this is just the beginning. The kind of grid infrastructure the Middle East has got, and the kind of penetration solar and wind has got in the region, it is just the starting point. I'm very sure that the region is going to see a lot of growth in the coming years. Great. Yes, we can come back later to some of the logistics about building solar projects in the region. Was it 1.17 gigawatts, the projects in Abu Dhabi? I mean, that's massive. As I mentioned, the early projects that came out in the region were around 10 megawatts. And then when there was initial 100 megawatts in Abu Dhabi, that was a world record size. And now more than one gigawatts just shows how the market's increased in a few years. 2020 was a year that none of us had expected. What impact did COVID-19 have on operations for Sterling and Wilson and the solar market in general? And how do you think the sector is going to shape up in 2021? So Andrew, when it comes to the plant operation, I'm happy to share that by and large, all the solar plants which we are operating in the region in various countries, by and large, they were not affected. We were able to maintain and run the plants at more than 99% availability during this tough time. Obviously, in terms of the measures, we had to put in very, very strict measures to ensure that health and safety of our people who are running these plants, it is being taken care of. When it comes to 2021, my feeling is we are going to see huge amount of recovery in the market. The construction activity in 2022 obviously slowed down. 2021 is going to see a massive growth. Some of the backlog, obviously, which was not built over in 2020, those plants will get completed in 2021. At the same time, all the governments are going to proceed with new tenders, and we are already seeing new tenders in the market. And the market is only going to grow bigger from now on. So this year and the years coming forward would be good in terms of growth of solar, not only solar, even solar and wind, I would say, put together. We are going to see a lot of megawatts being announced in the region this year as well as next year. I guess it's similar when the COVID-19 pandemic started. Similar questions were being asked. I remember that were asked in 2014 when the oil price dropped. There was concern that solar energy projects would stall and there'd be less of a drive to push forward with them, particularly in the Middle East, where economies have been heavily based on hydrocarbons. But what we've seen, we get to get your opinion on this, is like when the oil price dropped, maybe the solar sector has been strengthened because utilities and governments realise they need to diversify. And I guess it comes down to economics, doesn't it? The price of solar keeps getting cheaper. Let me share some very high level, you know, LCOE numbers with you. Even today, if you produce electricity through gas, which is the primary source of power in the region, the LCOE would be in the range of six to eight dollar cents. When you generate electricity through oil, which has been a dominant source of power in Saudi Arabia and to some extent in Egypt and Jordan, it would be more than 10 to 12 dollar cents. So even with the gas and the oil pricing, which is at all time low, the LCV 
of producing electricity through these sources is still very very high at the same time solar has been coming down at the rate of the experience curve is of solar is more than 18% which means with every doubling of solar capacity the cost drops by 18% or more so right now we all know that we are standing at lcoes of less than 2 cents in some regions uae as well as saudi arabia has been able to bring tariffs down to uh, uh, you know 1.5 1.7 cents which is almost 25 30% of lcoe of gas some of the other regions like egypt jordan oman they have also seen tariffs in the range of 2 to 2.5 dollar cents right now it is not about the commercials alone five years back it probably was only about the commercials whether solar can only compete with or solar or wind can compete with the hydrocarbons so right now it is about how faster you can replace these hydrocarbons if you look at yearly targets or if you look at the vision from the uae government they want to do 50% of renewables in the electricity mix by 2050 if you look at saudi arabia as per their latest guidance they want to do more than 30 gigawatts of renewables by 2030 similarly if you look at egypt they have got ambitious targets which they have to meet so right now i think this is about transformation from the existing energy mix to a low carbon energy mix obviously the commercials have still to work and i would say the kind of numbers we have seen for solar commercials are no more an issue it all depends on how fast governments want to transit out of hydrocarbons and towards the low carbon energy an interesting time for the global energy market and prospects for renewables with joe biden becoming the new president in the us obviously very pro clean energy and reducing emissions on his first day in office he's rejoined the paris climate agreement and that's interesting i mean not only is the us one of the world's largest carbon emitters so it will have an impact on that front but also the international influence having the us being key country driving forward renewables that should put pressure on other countries in the world that maybe weren't committed fully to renewables now to maybe push ahead with that as well thank you vikas for the the great introduction you gave us there to what sterling and wilson has done and as we've discussed sterling and wilson has worked on some of the groundbreaking projects in the region and some of the the first the largest projects were not only in the region but in the world for record tariffs what has been the challenges in working on what's still quite a new power source for the region what has been the main challenges in developing these large projects and how did sterling and wilson overcome these challenges when we started looking at the region almost 4 to 5 years back we will have to break down the region uh, you know in terms of countries because every country poses a different challenge for example when you talk about egypt we were building almost 20% of the benban capacity and we were building around 300 megawatts at the same time the entire complex was under construction it was around 1.5 gigawatts of plants under construction so in terms of the capacity at that point in time there was a huge constraint on the local availability since everything was getting built almost in parallel and at the same time we had issues on the port since you know a lot of material movement happened at the same time but i would say it was one of event and finally 
we could manage it all and we were able to connect all the five plants with the grid similarly when you shift from egypt to jordan jordan poses a different challenge there the challenge is more about availability of skilled manpower and unlike egypt which has got a lot of local entrepreneurs a lot of capabilities around electrical and mechanical crafts in jordan we found it a bit difficult to to manage that obviously we have to train the local manpower at the same time we had to bring in manpower from outside into jordan to get things done and similarly when you move to oman similar issues were faced you know issues similar to jordan in terms of the manpower but by and large middle east as a region it is very very forward looking when we were building our plants in abu dhabi for example we were amazed to see the kind of support which we got from the local utility because there was a lot of interface we were connecting 220 kv with the local utility which needed a lot of cooperation and engagement with the local utility and we were surprised by the kind of support we got there similarly when we were moving our transformer 500 mva one of the largest transformer of its kind in the region when it was moving from port to the site there were a lot of approvals which were needed and again we were surprised by the kind of speed at which everything happened so every region has its challenges if i move to saudi arabia although we have not built plants there yet but we have our electrical business which is there in saudi arabia there are challenges which are related to sourcing of manpower there after the introduction of saudiization it took a bit of time for the country to to adapt to the new requirements but since i have had the privilege to look at almost every region in the world including the far east and the far west as far as you know from chile to australia i would say middle east is one of the best places to build farms solar farms and in terms of ease of doing business middle east is one of the best places which we have seen wherein one can build farms at a very very fast pace obviously there are challenges which you encounter every now and then but with the support of the local governments we have been able to overcome most of them good point you raised there when we discuss the middle east region we often talk about it as a region but there is quite a lot of diversity between the countries in terms of their economic drivers and situations and also regulations and policies and so on so thanks for that vikas as we mentioned we're seeing a lot of record pv solar tariffs and the, the middle east region is driving these how have the epc contractors been able to contribute to the reduction in prices so for our listeners as i'm sure you all know the predominant model now in the region is the ipp model where a developer will win the contract submit a, a low tariff and will have an epc contractor as part of its team and then they'll deliver the project no capital cost to the government and the developer will be paid back over a period of 20 or 25 years and when talking about the tariff i guess there's there's a few elements vcas isn't there that has led to the sharp reduction in cost is the technology so the pv panels which have dropped dramatically and there's the financing but also the epc cost we get to get your insight on how epc contractors have been able to reduce or contribute to the reduction in solar tariffs and when it comes to the overall economics of a solar plant and when it comes to the ipp model 
The best thing is IPP model is driven by the levelized cost of electricity. It is actually not driven by capex. So from the very beginning, we all knew that one has to construct and design the plants, which are absolutely cutting edge in terms of their performance, in terms of their efficiency. So if you look at our Abu Dhabi plant, which is 1.17 gigawatts, we knew that in Middle East, in particular in UAE, it's a very dusty environment. There has been a lot of study done over the last many years, and we all knew that if one could find a way to control the soiling loss, as we call it in solar parlance, the soiling loss has to be controlled. So now it sounds fine, but three years back, we took the decision, and we are talking about a time when we had not gone into the bid. We were in very close discussions with our partners, and we decided to go for robotic cleaning solutions. Because of that, we could reduce our swelling loss to a very, very low number. That was one. Second, the bids in UAE are constructed or are designed in a very particular way. Sometimes they don't want the lowest cost of electricity, but they also want a large amount of electricity, even though it may come at a higher price. So that's why we designed this plant. We had an east-west kind of a configuration, which is not optimized from the LCOE perspective, but it is optimized from the perspective of adding more electricity to the grid. So like this, every bid, every tender or every project will have their own nuances. For example, Oman, when we went for Oman, we were the only people going for bifacial technology. We went for a plant which was constructed in twice the standard requirement in terms of the area usage. Normally you use around one and a half hectares per megawatt. This plant used two and a half hectares per megawatt because we really wanted to optimize on something else. So you have to be competitive, absolutely. This is a very competitive market. In Middle East, one has to remain competitive, but the choice of technology, the kind of automation which you can build it into your plants, all of that play a big role. And these are the parameters which decide whether you are going to win the job or not whether you are the lowest on LCOE. It's not only about cutting your margins thin, but it is mostly about designing the right plants for that right location. And this is the philosophy which we have been following for the last many years. And obviously you have to couple very competitive operation and maintenance. Sterling and Wilson is proud that we can maintain the plants for more than 20 years. So when you couple all of these things together, you can still build plants which can still give you lowest tariffs at the same time, all the players in the value chain without losing competitiveness, they can still enjoy sustainable uh, margins. Interesting. So where the project is located and the environment, such as dusty environment in the Middle East, how the contractor is able to deal with that can make a difference to the overall cost and implement technology such as robotic cleaning. Do you think there is room for PV solar tariffs to go even lower? This is a question that always gets asked in discussion, and there's been a lot of webinars on the solar sector over the past year. Do you think there's room for it to go even lower? The short answer is yes. The kind of innovations now which we are seeing with the larger modules, which is resulting into the reduction of balance of system, that's one area which will contribute to lowering of LCOEs. Second is on the intelligent tracking. Right now, when we track the sun, most of the 
tracking algorithms are static and nowadays almost every technology supplier they are spending a lot of time to optimize this they want their algorithms to be more intelligent which will ultimately without adding much cost it will result in increase of generation hence the lowering of lcv third trend which i see is a lot of automation so uh, automation happening on the plant operation side wherein with a very very small number of people one will be able to maintain large plants so your cost of running plants will go down even on the construction side we have deployed drones to monitor our progress but this is only one step a lot of automation is happening on the construction side as well so all of these factors you know uh, together along with innovations which are happening on the silicon side on the pv module side my feeling is we still have to further reduce the lcoes hence the tariffs which will happen in the next uh, you know few years so room for the tariffs to go even lower and energy storage is one of the increasing topics that's being discussed i guess in terms of delivering on ambitious renewable energy targets move towards net zero energy storage will have to play a big part so that power is available when the sun isn't shining for solar projects or when the winds not blowing are you seeing an increasing demand for energy storage along with solar projects so far and if not when do you expect to see this when you talk about markets across the globe yes there is a very clear trend in us in australia these are the two markets which has a very clear trend wherein the market is shifting from a pure vanilla solar to solar plus storage if i come back to my home market in you know uae and middle east as of now we have not seen that happening it has to do with the way the market is structured but if you look at the economics right now economics is already in place for the storage to work then i'll just give you a glimpse on how does it work so if you look at gas even the running cost of gas if you just burn gas and you assume the gas plant came for free you will end up spending around 4 to 5 dollar cents per unit of electricity and for solar right now let's imagine we are at 2 dollar cents so there is a 3 dollar cent arbitrage which is existing as of now so before we go to storage we can always build solar farms which are much bigger in size and we can allow a good amount of curtailment even if there is a curtailment of 30% or 40% for a solar plant it will still be much lower than the gas power plant in terms of incremental cost of generation that's one part and it's already happening if you look at a progressive bids in uh, uae in abu dhabi uh, they are already implementing that the next step would be to conserve some of the precious grid capacity right because solar plant can give you 100 megawatt plant can give you 100 megawatt but over the year effectively it is only a 25 megawatt plant but it will occupy 100 megawatt space in the grid so if you have to optimize on the grid usage you will have to make these plants more dispatchable you will have to add storage to these plants because the moment uae and middle east right now the penetration of solar and wind put together is less than 10% in terms of the electricity mix the moment this number becomes 20% we will start then 
seeing all these innovative models which will start coming into the picture so my feeling is and the way i look at the market i feel in the next probably 2 years time the market will see a sudden shift from plain vanilla solar wind farms to wind farms solar farms which are connected and coupled with a lot of storage a lot of interesting developments and further progress to come so i think just to finish vikas we've heard that sterling and wilson have been active across the region and worked on delivering some of the world's largest solar projects where do you expect to see the most opportunities in the region 2021 and over the next few years you've already mentioned saudi arabia there i guess that's one of the markets that everybody in the solar sector is waiting for they've got very ambitious targets there absolutely right andrew uae seems to be on the path which will probably take them to 50% in the next 30 years in terms of the electricity mix or uh, saudi arabia it had a slow start but having spent a lot of time in saudi arabia and obviously they wanted to get their local content policy right which now is in place i think in the next few years we will finally see a lot of uh, megawatts being built in saudi arabia and that's my hope i really wish that the transition start to happen there because it has made all the right noises till now with 400 megawatts akaka plant which was built in 2019 everything seems to be in place so yes saudi arabia will be a key market moving forward but at the same time even the rest of the markets egypt although it has a surplus of electricity for the moment because of covid the demand went down but if you look at electricity mix it has a lot of gas and it has a lot of oil which they burn to produce electricity so from a macro perspective and egypt being one of the largest countries with large population egypt also seems to be a promising market for the future along with saudi arabia and the rest of the markets which are uae oman so middle east as a region the fact that this entire region is highly dependent on gas and to some extent on oil a lot of replacement of you know abatement of gas and oil will happen in this region so overall as a region i have no doubt that moving forward it will add a lot of clean power to the grid definitely an exciting time to be in the region's renewable energy sector i'd like to thank vikas bansal country head of europe and international head of business development for Sterling and Wilson it's been fascinating vikas to hear your views today for somebody who's been involved in the solar sector for more than a decade we've heard about delivering projects in the middle east we've heard what goes into pricing of solar tariffs and how the levelized cost of electricity can be affected and we've also heard about the prospect for storage and some of the markets where we can expect to see the most opportunities in the year ahead and the coming years ahead so thank you very much vikas wish you all the best for 2021 and sterling and wilson we hope you keep growing and leading the market thank you thanks a lot andrew it was a pleasure talking to you and thank you to everyone for listening to the latest edition of energy utilities market podcast we look forward to welcoming you soon and please join us on the 26th of january for our online solar conference You can find more details of that on energy-utilities.com. Hi.